Opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Fighting for Love. This show will help you turn conflict into collaboration in all your relationships. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's a mediator for the Orange County Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel. Mari's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. To learn more about the show and our great guests, please visit conflicthealing.com. Mari, what's your show about this morning? Well, Lloyd, this is a great show because we're going to be talking about the joy of treasuring really what you already have in your life. And I've been reading this beautiful book called Inside the Flame, and the subtitle is The Joy of Treasuring What You Already Have. And there is a, a quote by uh, this Patricia uh, Vecchioni, uh, who wrote Step Into Nature, and this is what she says. She says, read this book and be reminded of what matters most, that we live in the bounty of the earth and in the bounty of love. It reminds us of the extraordinary in the everyday. There is so much magic in that. And you know, the name of this wonderful show is Fighting for Love. And sometimes we have to really fight against anything that gets in the way of loving ourselves, loving life, loving other people. And so I thought this would really uh, fit in with our genre. Let me tell you about this wonderful author, Christina Waters. She is a fifth generation California who grew up in an Air Force family. And she lived in France and Germany and Virginia before she came to California, where she earned her PhD. PhD in philosophy. And then for the past two and a half decades, uh, Christina has worked as a journalist specializing in arts, film, food, and wine for a variety of San Francisco Bay Area and national publications. And she's been nominated three times for the James Beard Foundation Journalism Award. And she's lectured in art, environmental ethics, and film at UC Santa Cruz for the past 20 years. She's a lifelong musician, and she performs with the Cabrillo College Symphony, Symphonic Choir. Wow, she can sing too, and the uh, UCSC Concert Choir. You can find out more about her at our website at conflicthealing.com, where we have a JPEG of her book, a picture, and we link to her website, which is Christina Waters, that's C H R I S T I N A Waters. So thank you so much for joining us from beautiful Santa Cruz. It's a pleasure, Mari. Okay. I'm having a little trouble hearing you. I don't know. Oh, that's my fault. Sorry about that. (laughs) Okay. Now I can hear you. So tell us, why is it that you decided to write this book? Well, there were many reasons. They all came together. Uh, But I think the real trigger, first trigger, was the fact I was teaching a large lecture class, 300 students in film, and I noticed that 
I had a heck of a time getting my students off their cell phones. Mm. Uh, they they really wanted to. They were very impatient with even watching films. They loved their handheld devices, and it occurred to me that an awful lot of them really living their lives through this screen, this little handheld screen, and that they were out of touch with the sensory world. And I grew up where you basically go outside and play. Uh, people use their hands to make things. I've always been a painter. I took walks. Uh, one day I asked my students, so how many of you have actually used a shovel? <laughs> three, yeah, I know, you're laughing, but three hands went up in a classroom of 300 students, and that's when I thought, wait a minute, they are missing an awful lot. So that basically triggered my putting together some of my own uh, writing about sensory experience and coupling that with my own uh, events in my life, which, as you mentioned to your listeners, I've, I've lived all over the world and had a really active life. And I thought I'd put those two things together and see if I couldn't convince my students or uh, other readers that there was an awful lot more beyond the iPhone. Right. I was laughing to myself because I grew up in Chicago where we did have to shovel snow. <laughs> And and the the people in Santa Cruz never see snow unless they go skiing up in the northern mountains in the Sierras. So <laughs> that's pretty funny. But but I think you're right. You know, I teach also, and then even when I'm mediating, people will bring in their phones, and I ask them to please just turn off their phones while we're trying to negotiate a fair resolution. But it's um, people we're we're tethered to our phones, and especially the younger generation and I think I've, I've gone out to dinner with my husband and we see a couple next to us and they're texting back and forth to each other instead of talking <laughs> so uh, I do think that you know getting back to that basis of touch of communicating of eye contact of living in the moment being mindful that there's so much to be said for that kind of connection that right. you, you really can't connect like that with technology. No, I don't think so. I really don't. I mean, we have bodies for a reason, and we have senses, and uh, my, my worry is that people aren't even exercising those things, that they've forgotten how to use them, how to, um, the aromas, that the, and how incredible the world is with fabulous aromas, you know, um, and without appreciating that, Without getting out of the house, they're not going to appreciate all of that. Yeah, yeah. So what's really unique about this book that you want people to know? Well, there are, there are quite a few things. It has the, the virtue of having short chapters, in which, uh, which forced me. Well, I've been a lifelong journalist, and, and I know you write, Mari, so you're aware of it's much easier to write long than it is short. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> yeah. Pressing. Compressing rich experience or rich encounter into a um, short amount of words, uh, it basically intensifies the, the overall impact of it. So I think the book has the virtue of being in much the way a book of poetry might. You can, you can sip little bits of it at a time. You don't have to start at the beginning and read all the way through. You can dip in wherever you like. So it's filled with these little vignettes based on a combination of the rich sensory experiences that you can have. You don't have to go to Tibet. You don't have to go to the Taj Mahal. You don't have to go to the Grand Canyon. You can have rich, um, unforgettable experiences in the most simple everyday moments. So the book takes that idea, and I use an adventure or a memoir uh, or a, a wild event from my own life and package them together in these little morsels, maybe a page and a half each. 
I think the book is is very accessible for that reason, Mari. Uh, there are some little illustrations throughout, and uh, there are also some rather clever, playful little uh, try-this-yourself exercises that can help pull the reader in even deeper. You know, I really love that. You, you call it your turn. After you give one of the little vignettes, you have your turn. For example, I thought this was great. And, you know, here's one. It says, uh, hold your favorite rock, then close your eyes. Exhale and listen. Allow yourself to expect something unexpected. The rock has its own history. If you tune into it, you might find yourself involved in a new intimate alliance. You know, what is its story? So, yeah, you have uh, quite a few of those throughout the book, which I really loved. And it reminded me, I I teach courses for attorneys, believe it or not, in mindfulness. And so I'll pass out... um, uh, and uh, you know almonds, or people can take a chocolate kiss and unwrap it, and then they have to look at it and really study it and really be in the moment with this chocolate. <laughs> and then they share, you know, what is its texture? How does it taste? They have to do all this very slowly. Uh, you know, how was it made? Just to really spend time focusing and really getting involved and mindful and being aware of this piece of chocolate or this almond, whatever they chose. <laughs> so, you know, that's a terrific experience. It it is. It's fun. It's fun because lots of times when we take an almond or we take a piece of chocolate, we throw it in our mouth and we eat it quickly. But to have to spend, you know, 10 minutes with this one piece, (laughs) you know, you start to really get into it. But that's what I was thinking of when I saw the rock thing, you know, like, where did this rock come from? What was it? Was it a a volcanic rock? Was it, you know, granite? What is this? So, yeah, I love that. Well, thank you. And I'm sure that you must have collected of things where you've the the odd rock or a piece of driftwood or some dried flowers thing you collect and put in some special place in your house and you can you know enjoy it and it uh, when you do take a moment with it it reminds you of the day who you were with right why you kept it and those things are very precious they're also very precious because they're part of our own history and they remind you of who you are and uh sort of deepen and ground that experience of your, your own self and your own life. Right. So um, were there any parts of the book that were more difficult for you to write or easier for you to write? Well, um, I, I chose things that, that I chose examples from my own life that were the most vivid, naturally, mm-hmm. that, that came up uh, as, as uh, memorable and in some cases dramatic. Uh, but certainly all of them explored how I um, have a sense of inquiry and curiosity. And I think the more I got writing this book, the more I realized not everyone asks as many questions about, you know, where they are, what they're doing, where does that road go, what happens if I do this. And I, I realized that I was one of these people who was much more curious about the world than many people that I know. So uh, it was easy to write these these sensory things, um, examples like eating gelato in Florence on a hot day. Uh, that was a great pleasure to write because the minute you start writing that, Mari, the, the whole experience comes back to you. You start salivating. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you. And, and writing about it makes you salivate. <laughs> exactly. That's yeah. the question about what might have been harder some of them, um, I realized, were deeply uh, laced with emotions that I hadn't looked at for a long time. Mm. Uh, and as this book became 
more and more uh, filled with memoir because memoirs actually are like little stories, and it was it was used. I used my own uh, stories to illustrate a point I wanted to make. It wasn't that I set out to write a memoir. Right, right. It came to some things that were. Uh, like um, getting lost in the rain and the rainforest and uh, cold and wet and uh, wondering why I was there. A lot of these experiences were really huge with emotion. And uh, I, I really had to go through a great struggle just putting down. And, 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 for example, as I was finishing the book, my aunt died, a very mm. favorite matriarch, a woman who was very important in my life. And naturally, I took that opportunity to write something about loss and paying attention. And that was, that was tough. Yeah. She was such a huge figure. Naturally, like everything, and probably in your work you find this very true, the tougher it is to write, the more emotions that you go through, the more dissatisfaction and the sense of resolution when you've, when you've done it. Mm-hmm. So there was a great deal of satisfaction and a sense of um, closure that came from writing some of these episodes. Yeah, it's a catharsis, really. Yes, there was a lot of catharsis, but on the whole, I have to say, there may have been some difficult ones, because um, when you're writing about a very exquisite experience, like I was hearing, listening to a concerto at uh, St. Martin's of the Fields in London last year, and I wrote about that in the book, well, there are times that even with a lifelong writer with a PhD, you you don't have words to describe something. There were times when I was really pushed, my vocabulary, my ability to write a... um, evocative sentence. But on the whole, the book was a lot of fun to write, Mari. Yeah. You know, I noticed the last book that I wrote with a co-author, you know, we really, everything that we wrote in that book, it was called Fighting for Love Turned Conflict into Intimacy. It was a couple's guide. I noticed that everything I wrote um, was I was experiencing in my life at that time. You know what I mean? Kind of really experiencing it, not so much from the intellectual aspect of it to help in the didactic aspect, but it was actually happening with me. So I would imagine like when you were writing about your dad or you wrote about your sister things or your aunt, um, that that really, that was um, so powerful for you. It was really an experiential experience as you were writing it. It wasn't just like you're writing about something, you really felt it. And uh, I think that's what's so fascinating about writing. When people really write from something that they know, it is mm-hmm. so powerful, and it can be such a um, a release or a a, a, mm-hmm. a a new aha moment, right? Yes, absolutely. It, where you get to have the original experience and then the new deepened aha moment. Right. Writing about it. You're so right. All of this was about about experienced moments, not. There was at no point was I intellectually distant from right. what I was writing, right? And I hope that comes through through in the book. It does. It really does. It comes. That's. I, I very much enjoyed that. That it was about experience. Good. Yeah. I'm very glad. Yeah. So, what kind of audience were you really writing for? Hmm. Okay. You mean in addition to the students who don't yeah. use the shovel? Right. I mean, you didn't expect just the students to be reading it. Not, of course not. No, I was hoping to remind the general reader that there is an awful lot going on in their everyday life uh, that is worth staying with, is worth paying attention to, and not just in a sort of abstract mindfulness sense, although heaven, that's that's great, but in, in the sense of living deeply in, mm. and paying close attention. Uh, I, I expected that uh, anyone who 
is alive and wants to get a little bit more out of their lives or realizes that they could be getting a little more out of every moment would find something in this book. So I'm looking for people who uh, perhaps are feeling a little jaded about their everyday life and wish, you know, the people who compile these so-called bucket lists and they think, well, my life's going to be great as soon as I get to Rome, right. as soon as I can hike through Bali. And part of what I wanted to point out is uh, there is this radical potential of just plain everyday life, and it's right there in front of you if you just pay more attention like to what you're feeling. And as you mentioned earlier, to what you're eating, uh, what you're smelling, what's that fabulous aroma, what does it remind me of? Mm-hmm. One of the things that, uh, that I did address in this, I've, I've been a food and wine writer for a couple of decades now, and one of the things my readers used to tell me was that I put them right in that restaurant with, with me. They mm. the dinner. They could t- taste the wine. They could smell the uh, whatever the dish was. So I wanted to, to put people, anyone who is interested in that kind of sensory experience, I, I wanted to give them a way of going deeper and uh, with all the senses. Yeah, and I think that's so important. You know, we, we have two dogs. And just, and just I can just be in such... A joy, just mm-hmm. spending, you know, after a hard day of work or something, and I just mm-hmm. uh, pet my dogs, you know, love them up, pet them, talk to them, look in their eyes, just really be in the moment, because that's what animals are, right? Our pets are like that. They can they can really be in that moment, and so many times our brains are going, oh, i got to make dinner, or I've got to grade this paper, or I've got to get this brief out, or whatever it is. We, we our mind starts going a hundred miles an hour, and we just don't really pay attention to what's around us. No, that we don't. And and getting back to your your dogs and the pleasure that you take with them, that what you're enjoying about them is that of course animals are are really gifted at this. But they give you this great sensory treat. Yes, animals. You can feel their warm bodies your, through your hands. You pet their fur. You can look in their eyes. They make these marvelous noises. They run around. All of that is sensory. Yes. And those are things that you you enjoy only if you're willing to take a minute to just be in that physical moment with them. And uh, a lot of people do sort of walk on by, and they get too embroiled in their own work, and then they wonder, why didn't I enjoy more? How come the day didn't feel as good as it could have? Yeah, you know what drives me really crazy? I'll go to the park with my dogs, and I'll see a mom walking her kid in a, in a carriage, and she's on her cell phone. Yes. Oh, I hate or, or Or sitting, this is the other thing that drives me crazy, you know, sitting by the, you know, the jungle gym or whatever they are outside and the swings, and the kids are playing, and the mom is sitting there on the cell phone or texting or something and missing that interaction with their child. And I and I want to go up to them and say, look, you know, my kids are grown. What I wouldn't give to have that time back to really, really enjoy that time with them. And and I just think that's so much missing. And what what about the kids that aren't getting that mom to eye contact or that dad to eye contact? Certainly, I worry about. I even worry about the where you're. I see people here on my street going up to the the woods that's uh, above where I live, and they're on their cell phones while they're walking their dog. Now the dog knows that it's not it's not being played with. It's not being loved. It's not getting attention. That can't be good. Uh, and 
Yeah, but at least the dog is out there having a good time. They don't care. They're not thinking about, oh, mom is, you know, annoying, you know, is, is ignoring me. They're, they're like smelling and they're oh. lifting their leg and they're seeing everything. But the kids, you know, they're really feeling it, you know? Plus, I think that there is a sort of, if there were another subtitle of this book, it would be a plea against multitasking. Yeah. Because, yeah, you know, the more, and, and the problem is that at life today, demands that we do so many things and part of that I have to blame the internet we think I've got to do five or six things because I can right what we do is we miss each one of those things we don't really give ourselves to them we're trying all of them at once so we really miss the whole deep rich experience and we wonder what happened to the day why don't I feel any real satisfaction you know and and you and I are have been around l- longer than a lot of the young people that we teach right and oh, yeah. and, I, and 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 I'm just thinking that there is a cultural change i'm thinking are we going to be where we're like these robots you know that everything's virtual the virtual reality we're going to have all we won't even need to have our bodies to touch right <laughs> You know, I wonder what all is really happening. Are we evolving to that point mm-hmm. where we're just technology, where we're bionic people that are just this consciousness, or are we going to have a shift back to higher consciousness, to mindfulness? I, I think that there's there's two ways that we could be going. I think you're so right, and I go and like every day I go back and forth thinking, you know. Uh, I don't see an end to this. It's just we're going to be more and more closely um, linked to our devices. We're going to be more dependent upon technology because, you know, we all certainly use it for everything from Amazon Prime to, you know, the text I just got on my phone to, as a writer, you and I both use. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's got this wonderful benefit, but it's got this terrible burden. (laughs) Uh, But then, then sometimes... I will get an email from a student who says, you know, I just planted a garden, my first organic garden. I think, oh, my God, maybe there is hope. There may be a slowing down on the part of young people who have decided, you know, I might be missing something. Yeah. In a place like California, we have a lot of... uh, a lot of opportunities to enjoy going outdoors, taking walks. Um, and it's free. You can go to the ocean. You could go to the mountains. You know, some other places like Illinois, where I grew up, it was flat. You know, it wasn't real. You could go to a cornfield. But here, especially, we've got so much beauty, and it's free to just and go. Take a drive and go or take a walk and go. Well, I think there are more people, uh, and young people, the, the millennials are really starting to explore that. I think a lot of them are perhaps about topped up with uh, technology. and I oh, yeah, That's good. Mari, I look forward to a gradual turning around. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I'm hopeful. Yeah. I think what's happening is there is a, a backlash. I mean, more and more people are looking uh, into mindfulness, even corporations and like, you know, me teaching lawyers mindfulness and having that kind of awareness and the, the studies of the brain and what it all means and really having this, you know, consciousness raising that we're trying to do. Um, I, I think there's kind of like two ways we're going, and I'm hoping that um, that the higher consciousness uh, mm-hmm. troop will influence the, 
<laughs> you know, the technology geeks that, that really don't stop and really think about what all this means. Yeah. And the implications. Plus, having a body, having the senses feels so good. I mean, nothing is more satisfying than the aromas of, you know, for example, I write, I write about the, the drawer that has no name where I keep little odd souvenirs from the past and I can open that drawer and I can smell mm. race of perfume that my mom used to wear. And mm. it's a fabulous. It's filled with memories and nothing but aroma can do that. Or wood, wood burning, burning uh, fire in the right. Nothing can take the place of that. And the same with all the senses. Touching the pleasure you get from petting your dogs, yeah, or making bread, or you know, any kind, or of- just a beautiful sunset. You know, I mean, just seeing the, oh, yeah. the, you know, the orange and the and the blues and all that stuff. You know, the blue of the ocean and the orange of the sun and, yeah, <laughs> you know. Or for me, I just love to watch palm trees flowing in the wind. You know, I, just, oh, I, I love I love palm trees. <laughs> yeah, that is is ours because we we have the body because we have all the senses that we've got and to not use them or to rely on some robotic. A version of them, like a program. There's an algorithm for that, you know. Right, right. right. That, it, that means you're just getting it secondhand. It's not yours. It's not direct. And uh, that's really, my book is really a plea for direct experience of, uh, and even of the smallest moment in everyday life. I've even got a chapter on folding clothes. Yes, I saw that. I saw that. And wonderful, and, and it feels great. It's a yummy experience. But few people think of it that way. So I'm hoping to uh, give people some new ideas. Okay. Yeah, you know, I'm, I was thinking about... Um, Oh God! Years ago, when I read Siddhartha, and and I remember just at the very end of the book, where where there was so much that he was learning by just rowing across, just rowing back and forth across the river, and and I thought about some people who really who maybe are you know doing menial like what what we might consider menial labor or something like that, and they really enjoy their job because they get into it. They know that they think about all the beauty or all the the good that they. They're giving to someone, you know, whether they're a gardener or whether they're a maintenance person, that um, those people are happy because they are enjoying every moment of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And, and they're using their bodies. There's the satisfaction of, of feeling tired at the end of the day because you've worked hard. Yeah. In the case of people who work with their hands, my Uncle Harold was a woodworker. He made something with his hands, and it, when it's finished, there's, there's something beautiful that he's created, and it exists now because he made it. Yes. And, and the satisfaction from that kind of thing, where you know if you've ever gardened or cooked, uh, making something just appear out of nowhere the day right. before you made it is so satisfying. Yeah. Even even your book that you wrote, you know, when you when it's done and then the publisher sends it to you and you see it and you touch it <laughs> and you, you feel it, it's like, wow, this is something that I created. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it could be that or my husband is a general contractor and he builds things and mm-hmm. he remodeled our house. And, you know, that kind of stuff is just so beautiful to have something that you created yourself or your own garden or something like that. Yeah, and, there's, there's no app that can f- provide that kind of fulfillment, and uh, and that's uh, what I hope that is part of the inspiration that uh, comes from reading a book. But now that you wrote this, I don't know. Um, 
are are your students reading it and giving you feedback? I'm get yes, I'm getting quite a bit of feedback. They're delighted. They're surprised. Um, they like that they can dip into it wherever they like. They don't have to read it from from cover to cover in right. linear motion. And um, many of them are inspired to try something they've never done before, which is another thing the book is good for. Because if I could try all these things, you know, uh, and and survive them and be deeper and richer because of them, anyone can. And uh, that's I, I guess I'm pretty fearless, and that I hopefully comes through in the book. Uh, and I'd like to. Uh, convince people that they, too, could be a little less fearful, a little less timid about exploring life. Right. To just like you talk about, take a drive somewhere you haven't been or, exactly. you know, or you've, yep. you've uh, called someone on the phone and now write them a letter, do something different. Right. And I think, you know, I don't understand when people say, I, I get bored easily. I'm never bored. <laughs> I don't know what that means, right. you know? There's, there's, I mean, there's so many things to do. If you are bored, you could sit down and write, or you could, mm-hmm. I, you know, I bought myself uh, a uh, an Indian flute, and so if I were bored, I would pick that up. I haven't done it in a while, but I thought, mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't think I've ever in my whole life been bored. Me either. Me either. I mean, there's you can always go hit the, go sit at the piano. You can sew something. You can yeah. take a walk. Even at the doctor's office, I, you know, I'll take something with me if I have to wait. But um, I can't believe it. We're already out of time. I just want to mention this book again. The joy. Uh, this is called Inside the Flame, The Joy of Treasuring What You Already Have by Christina Walters. Waters. And Christina, why don't you just give your website and it's time to go, okay? Okay, Mari, it's been a pleasure talking with you and I hope people will enjoy the book, Inside the Flame. You can find out more about me and the book, my website, ChristinaWaters.com. Well, thank you so much and keep in touch so we can talk about your next book, okay? Okay, all right, I will do. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks, bye-bye. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.